This is Dave Burnett, and I want to welcome you to today's God's Family Plan podcast. The title of today's podcast is Moving from Awful to Awesome. I believe it would be an oversimplification to say that these are distressing and trying times. In many respects, I believe these days fit the description and instruction found in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. I want to read this passage from the Amplified Bible. Therefore, see that you walk carefully, living life with honor, purpose, and courage, shunning those who tolerate and enable evil, not as the unwise, but as wise, sensible, intelligent, discerning people, making the very most of your time on earth, recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity, and using it with wisdom and diligence, because the days are filled with evil." In many respects, what many people around the world have seen and experienced over the past year can be simply described as awful. But the Lord gave me a phrase, moving from awful to awesome. And I believe it is a word of encouragement that I need to unpack for us today. I believe God's heart for you and me is to move us from awful to awesome. To begin, MerriamWebster.com defines awful as extremely disagreeable or objectionable. Your financial situation may be awful. Your family situation may be awful. Your work situation may be awful. Your health may be awful. If you watch the network news, there's just an awful lot of awful in the world today. But remember, God wants to move us from awful to awesome. Merriam-Webster.com defines awesome as inspiring, terrific, extraordinary. I believe God is telling us today that he wants to move us from the extremely disagreeable or objectionable to the inspiring, terrific, and the extraordinary. I'll spend the bulk of our time today in visiting some biblical examples. These are examples of those who experienced success in their journey from awful to awesome. But before we go there, I want to set a biblical context or framework for our faith, my faith and your faith as we consider today's message. Realistically, if we're going to move from awful to awesome, we need to understand that there is an awesome for us to move to. So let's begin by reading 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1-4 through 4 in the Amplified Version. Remember, this is an epistle, or it's a letter, and it begins by telling us who this letter is from and who it's to. Simon Peter, a bondservant, an apostle, special messenger, personally chosen representative of Jesus Christ, to those who have received and possessed by God's will a precious faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace, that special sense of spiritual well-being, be multiplied to you in true intimate knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. For his divine power has bestowed on us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life and godliness through true and personal knowledge of him, who called us by his own glory and excellence. 
For by these he has bestowed on us precious and magnificent promises of inexpressible value, so that by them you may escape from the immoral freedom that is in the world because of disreputable desire and become sharers of the divine nature. This is a message from God's representatives to those who share faith in Jesus. This is a message from God to Christian believers. In this passage, Peter tells us as believers that we have his, that is Jesus, precious and magnificent promises of inexpressible value. And friends, that is awesome. This passage also tells us that we have these promises because his or Jesus' divine power has bestowed on us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life and godliness. And this comes to us through true and personal knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. In other words, we have some awesome promises from God that have been given us because of our true and personal relationship with Jesus. Next, let's read Hebrews chapter 10 verses 35 and 36 from the Living Bible. Do not let this happy trust in the Lord die away. No matter what happens, remember your reward. You need to keep on patiently doing God's will if you want him to do for you all that he has promised. Friends, don't give up on God's promises. That would be awful. And let's read Hebrews chapter 6 verses 11 and 12 from the Passion Translation. But we long to see you passionately advance until the end and you find hope fulfilled. So don't allow your hearts to grow dull or lose your enthusiasm, but follow the example of those who fully received what God has promised because of their strong and patient endurance. Keep moving. Persevere in faith as you pursue God's awesome promises for your life. Let's summarize what these three passages together are telling us today. First of all, we have some awesome promises because of our personal faith or our relationship with Jesus. Secondly, we need to be patient. We need to patiently continue to do God's will in order to experience all that he has promised us. We must passionately advance, not allowing ourselves to become dull. We need to follow the example of those who've gone before, the ones who received all that God promised them. We need to follow their example of strong faith and endurance. So as we move into the heart of today's message, I want to share three biblical examples of people who experienced the reality of moving from awful to awesome. I share their stories with you today in the belief that they will encourage your faith and motivate you to continue on your personal journey. This is not an exhaustive biographical study of these biblical characters. So if you're unfamiliar with any of these, I'll give you scripture references to help you do a more in-depth study on your own. The first example I want to share with you is Joseph, the son of Jacob. The story of Joseph begins in Genesis chapter 37. His life story is told over the remaining pages of the book of Genesis, and Joseph's death is recorded in the last chapter of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 50, verse 26. But as a teenager, Joseph was a prophetic dreamer. Now, Joseph dreamed a couple of dreams that, when they were interpreted, told a prophetic story that his brothers would bow down to him. 
In the telling of these dreams, Joseph did little to endear himself to his brothers. In fact, Joseph became obnoxious to them. One day, Jacob sent Joseph to check on his brothers. Now, they were supposed to be tending the flocks. And so when the brothers saw Joseph approaching, they conspired to kill him. And that's awful. Joseph's older brother Reuben intervened. Instead of killing Joseph, they threw him in a pit and kept him there until they sold him to some Midianite traders that were passing by. These traders took Joseph to Egypt, and we can certainly say that is awful. In Egypt, Joseph was sold to an officer of Pharaoh named Potiphar. Now, things were going well for Joseph until one day Potiphar's wife accused him of attempted sexual assault, and they had Joseph thrown in prison, and certainly that is awful. In prison, Joseph found favor with the keeper of the prison, and while he was in prison, Joseph met fellow prisoners who had been Pharaoh's butler and Pharaoh's baker. Now, the butler and the baker each had a dream, and they shared their dreams with Joseph. Joseph interpreted the butler's dream to mean that he would be restored as the chief butler to Pharaoh. Joseph asked the butler to remember him to Pharaoh in order to get his release. Joseph interpreted the baker's dream to mean that he would be executed in three days. And in three days, the baker was executed. Now, as Joseph had said, the butler was released from prison and returned to Pharaoh's court, but he forgot about Joseph. And so Joseph remained in prison for two more years. And that's awful. But ultimately, Pharaoh had two dreams. Dreams that no one in his court could interpret. Then the butler remembered Joseph, and Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and Pharaoh told Joseph his dreams. Now, both of Pharaoh's dreams were prophetic, and they both meant the same thing. There would be seven years of plenty in Egypt, followed by seven years of famine. The fact that the message of the dreams was repeated was a sign that God had established it. And this was the beginning of Joseph's move from awful to awesome. The favor of God was upon Joseph. Pharaoh made Joseph second in command in Egypt in order to conserve the produce of the seven years of plenty and in preparation for the seven years of famine. In the years of famine, Joseph served as administrator of Egypt's storehouses, and that is awesome. As the famine spread to other regions of the world, it spread to Canaan and the household of Joseph's father, Jacob. And Jacob, hearing there was grain in Egypt, sent Joseph's brothers to Egypt to buy grain. Now we see in all of this that Joseph went through his awful to prepare the way of provision for God's covenant people during the time of famine. God prospered Joseph beyond human imagination. Joseph married and had two sons, and ultimately Joseph was reunited and reconciled to his brothers and his father, and he was able to move them to a place of provision in Egypt. And that is awesome. The pit was awful, the prison was awful, but Joseph continued moving in integrity. Joseph is an example of one who overcame great obstacles as he moved from awful to awesome. I encourage you to remember and be encouraged by the story of Joseph today. The next example of moving from awful to awesome I'd like to share with you today is David. And we pick up David's story in 1 Samuel chapter 16 in what should have been the inauguration of a season of awesomeness for David. 
the prophet Samuel came to the house of Jesse, David's father, and anointed David to become king. We see that in this, the awesome anointing of the Lord came upon David, and we find in succeeding chapters that David enjoyed a time of great military success and popularity. During this season, David slew Goliath, the Philistine giant. In this season, 1 Samuel chapter 18 indicates that David found such favor that Saul set him over the men of war. David's fame grew to the point that the women of Israel began to sing, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. But this provoked Saul's anger. As time progressed, Saul pursued strategies to control David and ultimately sought to bring about David's death. And that is awful. As the book of 1 Samuel progresses, David becomes a man on the run, a fugitive from King Saul's jealous rage, and again, that is awful. In fact, it becomes so awful that in 1 Samuel chapter 27, we find that David decided that he would be safer in the land of the Philistines, Israel's enemies, than he would be in Israel. So David, his household, and his troop of warriors and their households took refuge in the land of the Philistines. In this land, David found favor with Achish, the king of Gath. And Achish granted David the town of Ziklag as a home for David, his mighty men of war, and their households. In 1 Samuel chapter 29, we find the Philistines gathering for battle against Israel. David and his troop aligned themselves behind Achish. But the princes of the Philistines objected to having David and his warriors fight with them. The objection was strong enough that Achish sent David and his troop back to Ziklag. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 30 indicates that this was not a simple morning commute. It says, on the third day, they arrived back at home. And when they arrived back in Ziklag, they found that the town had been raided by the Amalekites. The Amalekites had burned Ziklag and took all the people, including David's household and the households of his men as captives to sell as slaves. And friends, that's really awful. But that's not the end of the awful. Exhausted and grieving for their losses, David's men considered stoning him. Even more awful. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6 in the Amplified Classic Edition says it this way. David was greatly distressed, for the men spoke of stoning him, because the souls of them all were bitterly grieved, each man for his sons and daughters. But David encouraged and strengthened himself in the Lord his God. It's at this point that David begins the process of moving from awful to awesome. David encouraged and strengthened himself in the Lord. When there was no one else to encourage him, David found encouragement and strength in the Lord. It's from this point that David seeks to hear God's counsel on the situation. And God's counsel in verse 8 is, pursue them. You will overtake them and recover all. And that set David in motion from awful to awesome. Verse 18 and 19 of 1 Samuel 30 tells us David recovered all the Amalekites had taken and rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken. David recovered all. And that is awesome. As we come to the end of 1 Samuel chapter 30, we find David sending some of the spoils of his looting of the Amalekites as gifts to the elders of Judah. In verse 31, we're told that David sent spoils to Hebron. Now make note of that because it's significant. 
1 Samuel chapter 31 recounts the death of Saul during battle with the Philistines. In 2 Samuel chapter 2, David again sought the Lord's advice. David inquired of the Lord regarding his return to Judah. The Lord instructed him to go to Hebron. Remember Hebron? So David, his mighty men, and all their households relocated to Hebron. And it was at Hebron that David was anointed king over Judah. And that is very awesome. So encourage yourself in the Lord. Seek God's will in whatever awful mess you're in. Be ready and willing to pursue battle and recover all. Friends, be encouraged today by David's journey from awful to awesome. The final example I'd like for us to consider today is the Apostle Paul. We're introduced to Paul's story of awful to awesome in Acts chapter 7. Saul of Tarsus, who would later become known as the Apostle Paul, is specifically mentioned in verse 58. Those who stoned Stephen, the first Christian martyr, laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. Acts 8.1 tells us that Saul was consenting to Stephen's death. And yes, that is truly awful. But it became even more awful. Acts chapter 8, verse 3 in the Passion Translation tells us, Then Saul mercilessly persecuted the church of God, going from house to house into the homes of believers to arrest both men and women and drag them off to prison. Acts 9, verses 1 through 3, again in the Passion Translation, tells more of the awful story. During those days, Saul, full of angry threats and rage, wanted to murder the disciples of the Lord Jesus. So he went to ask the high priest and requested a letter of authorization he could take to the Jewish leaders in Damascus, requesting their cooperation in finding and arresting any who were followers of the way. Saul wanted to capture all of the believers he found, both men and women, and drag them as prisoners back to Jerusalem. So he obtained the authorization and left for Damascus. And this brings us to the point where Saul of Tarsus began to move from awful to awesome. On the way to Damascus, Saul was confronted by the blinding presence of Jesus himself. On the road to Damascus, Saul had a truly awesome, life-changing encounter with the Lord. You can read the details in Acts chapter 9. But in very short order, Paul became a believer. He was filled with Holy Spirit. He was baptized, and he began to preach. He went from being a persecutor to being the persecuted. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 7, Paul puts his journey from awful to awesome in perspective. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. It's true that once I relied on all that I had become. I had a reason to boast and impress people with my accomplishments, more than others, for my pedigree was impeccable. I was born a true Hebrew of the heritage of Israel as the son of a Jewish man from the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised eight days after my birth and was raised in the strict tradition of Orthodox Judaism, living a separated and devout life as a Pharisee. And concerning the righteousness of the Torah, no one surpassed me. I was without a peer. Furthermore, as a fiery defender of the truth, I persecuted the Messianic believers 
with religious zeal. Yet all of the accomplishments that I once took credit for, I've now forsaken them, and I regard them as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. A footnote to Acts 13.9 in the Amplified Bible tells us Saul was the Apostle Paul's Jewish or Hebrew name. As his ministry to Gentiles began, he became known by his Roman or Latin name, Paul. It's also noteworthy that without Paul's journey from awful to awesome, we would not have almost half of the books of the New Testament. Now, over the years of his ministry, Paul would have many awful experiences. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 24 through 27 in the Passion Translation, Paul tells us, five times I've received 39 lashes from the Jewish leaders. Three times I experienced being beaten with rods. Once they stoned me. Three times I've been shipwrecked. For an entire night and day I was adrift in the open sea. In my difficult travels, I've faced many dangerous situations, perilous rivers, robbers, foreigners, and even my own people. I've survived deadly peril in the city, in the wilderness, with storms at sea, with spies posing as believers. I've toiled to the point of exhaustion and gone through many sleepless nights. I've frequently been deprived of food and water, left hungry and shivering out in the cold, lacking proper clothing. But beyond these awful experiences, as life was nearing its end, Paul recorded the following in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6-8. through eight. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. And now the time is fast approaching for my release from this life, and I'm ready to be offered as a sacrifice. I've fought an excellent fight. I've finished my full course, and I've kept my heart full of faith. There's a crown of righteousness waiting in heaven for me, and I know that my Lord will reward me on his day of righteous judgment. And this crown is not only waiting for me, but for all who love and long for his unveiling. Paul had been a horrible, awful person. He'd been through some horrible, awful experiences. But in the final analysis, he was looking beyond the awful, looking forward to an awesome future in heaven. It's Paul who would write in Romans 6.23 in the New King James Version, For the wages of sin is death. Now friends, that's the ultimate definition of awful. But he would write further, But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that is the ultimate definition of awesome. As we come to the conclusion of today's podcast, I would remind you of the words of Jesus in John 10.10 from the Passion Translation. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. That's awful. But I, that is Jesus, have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. That's awesome. I want to encourage you to understand that awful is not your final identity or destiny. Just as he moved Joseph, David, and the Apostle Paul from awful to awesome, with faith and patience, he'll do the same for you. Be encouraged by their example. Keep believing God's word. Keep worshiping. Keep praying. And keep moving on your personal journey from awful to awesome. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. 
This is Dave Burnett reminding you that you can connect with God's Family Plan on our Facebook page. We invite your comments, prayer requests, and suggestions. You can also order our book, God's Family Plan, Establishing Generational Blessing, today on Amazon.com. I bless each of you listening to this podcast. I bless you and your household. I bless you in your journey from awful to awesome. In Jesus' name, amen.